So we must always live under the grace and as I see you guys up here, you guys' faces are uh, bright and it's shining. And I think God will give us this amazing exploding work um, in, on the last day. That's why, that's why I planned us to stay another night uh, at the last day. Today is already good, right? But on Sunday, we will reach the peak. And if, if, it, if it's too good, if it's too good, we will extend, extend the schedule to, to Monday because, because we, it's a national holiday on Tuesday, right? Our church companies need to earn lots of money because we are planning to do another um, conferences. Yeah. <laughs> and because we are um, we are inviting um, young adults from Africa and South America to to Israel, um, we we should we should have our own airplane or something. I'm considering what to do for young adults in Korea. Do not get married until then, right? <laughs> Never mind. Okay, from September the 1st next year, we'll have Young Adults Conference in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. And we will not um, receive registration, but instead we will uh, select those those people who will attend. And because we need to have only the people who God called. And, and now the Israel conference is becoming too pricey. If we, if we are to have 400 people um, conference, it costs us around like, um, how much is that, $800,000. And this conference itself, it cost us $250,000. So everything becomes so expensive. So we should, um, we should spend on a valuable uh, places, the, on things that God, God really wants. Okay, are you guys all here? Especially this is a conference that God wants us to focus on the message, the sermon. 
We are, we are the people who should live through the authority, by the authority of the word. Let's, uh, let's look at verse 15. So through the book of Galatians, these elements of nuclear reactor of gospel is keep being activated. is actually a very logical and um, rational person. But Book of Galatians is written in a very um, non-logical uh, structure. He's going here and there. He's saying this and that. But why did he do that? Because Galatians is not, is not a letter that describes about one thing. And, and because Galatians church already had all the true system, that's why Paul did not have to explain all the, all the details. That's why he was uh, mentioning each element here and there, and he, he is unraveling God's secret here. Revelation, gospel, righteousness, grace, faith, Holy Spirit, air, freedom, and promise. And these nine elements are key being activated in Galatians. And as you guys listen to the sermon, I, I wish, I hope that this, these nine elements will also be activated in you. So when Holy Spirit indwells in you, it means that the glory is also indwelling in you. Just like 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Holy Spirit is not someone who is staying still, but He's the one who, who leads us from glory to glory. So as you live by the Holy Spirit, your glory will grow and grow. And to the people who are not um, aware of spiritual world, it is difficult to describe. And, and devils are so afraid of, of the, this glory. So someone who has great glory, the devils cannot touch them. So if devil comes and manipulates something in my, in my life, and if he tries to touch me or my spirit, then it's such a shameful thing. Because, because Holy Spirit is indwelling in me, and God made that glory and the power of the blood to indwell in me too. And in First John, he says that the, the, the enemies can not, cannot touch us. And in, a, in the New Covenant perspective, the omnipotent Word of God is, is in us. So if you, if you put children of God in a different word, it's, it's light itself. So if you do not limit the Holy Spirit in you, then, then this strong light uh, will shine through you and and you will have no problem like casting out uh, these this regular demons and you don't even have to like shout flee away, flee away or anything like that. And even you can, you can commend them. So it's all the matter of glory in you. 
And as you, as these uh, nuclear reactor of gospel activates in you, uh, this glory must also be activated in you too. Um, church, church of God, must uh, be powerful until it should have the power to rule over all creation. So, so that's why this nuclear reactor must acti be activated in in the church. And the darkness should never penetrate in the church. Why? Because the glory is in in the church. How can you? How can anyone enter into the sanctuary, the holy of holies, with something dirty with him? Only once a year, the great high priest can enter into the place, and even even himself, if he is not not uh, purified, then he will die, because that's a place which which is attached to the heavens. <laughs> I'm I'm always shocked because I I get surprised because I get nervous because these these ladies I keep coming toward me. Oh, he's talking about his sister from Malaysia, Shona's mother. All right, let's begin looking at verse 15. And as these elements are keeping activated, Paul began talking about the promise. And instead of um, talking about promise, Paul used the term covenant. And when God gives us a promise, he does not just uh, throw a word at us and saying, hey, I'll give you this. But instead, he gives us his promise as a covenant. So here, Paul says, uh, a human covenant that has been duly established. And um, no one can set aside or add to a human covenant. So, so Paul is talking about a contract. If one part um, set aside the contract, then then that person will take the responsibility and he will die. So he's talking about this old covenant, Old Testament covenant. So, as we said yesterday, with Abraham, God made a covenant and he split it that sacrifice and he went between those two to uh, split it body parts of the animal. And, and what God is saying, the promise that God gives will, will, will ultimately be, be fulfilled, will surely be fulfilled. And even more, even more, in Hebrews, we use the term, uh, um, the Hebrews author used the term oath. Through Jesus Christ, the promise that God gave became an oath. 
And when God, God made a promise and Israelites broke that promise, God needs to give them another promise. And he'll say, hey, if you do not obey to me, I will kill you. And he kept, he kept renewing that promise, but still Israelites became disobedient to God. And lastly, God made an oath. And he said, if you do not keep this promise, and you will die. So this oath, this oath is the last confirmation of his promise. And without Jesus Christ, we will have no other promise. So this human race should not think of any other things but to live by Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews, he said that Jesus um, was raised through, through an oath. So without him, God will no longer give any other promise. Without him, he will, he will not give other promise. So we, so if we, if we break his promise, we cannot, we cannot live. So promise and covenant, they all have same meanings. And even human contract, you cannot break it so easily. And so what Paul is saying here, even the human contract cannot be broke, cannot be broken so easily, so you, you cannot break the promise of God. So in order to confirm the covenant, God needed a key to, to seal that promise. That's why he brought a sacrifice, a sacrificial offering. So if someone breaks the, the promise, one of the, the person who, who made a contract should die. In other words, Abraham should die. But even if Abraham breaks that covenant, God will never forsake him. So it becomes God who breaks that covenant because he was supposed to kill Abraham, but he does not kill him. Why? Because he has this conflict between his love and his just justice. Why? Because of God's justice, he must kill Abraham, but because of God's love, he cannot kill him. So someone else must die on behalf of Abraham because of those, those, those issues. So who died? God himself. Because God broke that covenant. That's why Jesus died. So that's why uh, we use the term his last will. And his last will, um, a person's last will becomes active when he dies. So, so in Hebrews, so in Hebrews, it is saying someone must die in order for that re redemption to to take place and become active. So every time when our sin is being forgiven, Jesus' death is being confirmed in, in, in us. When? When we repent. I should be the one who should die, but Jesus uh, died on behalf of us. That becomes our motivation of repentance. 
and Holy Spirit will confirm or confirm that the um, legal right of the of the blood. So covenant and the last will they all come in the same context. So listen carefully. God. God can do anything just by speaking of it, right? Let's say if he committed a sin, if God says, hey, you are the, you are the righteous, then he becomes a righteous one, right? Because of who he is, that's, how, that's, what, that's the authority that he has. But instead of doing everything through his word, especially toward human beings, why? Because of his love, Instead of just speaking a word to us, always he, he paid all the price for the words and the promises he made for us. That's what an amazing love is then. So in that sense, what is God's word? It is a word that is written by the blood of Jesus. In order to fulfill his promise, he did not just give us something that is written, a written record, record of something that he said, but instead he, he paid all the price and he gave us everything to us. So, so that's why I say in the word of God, I smell the blood of the Jesus. And toward all the other creations, God never does that. Only to human beings. Because we are created in His image. In order to fulfill all His promises and His words, He paid all His prices. And there is no reason for Jesus to come on this earth to, to redeem us. If He just say that you are righteous, then that's it. But as we continue to say this, the purpose of Jesus coming down on earth was not just forgiving our sins. Because the purpose on a different dimension, He Himself personally came on this earth. He already paid all the price. And as I always say, He changed all the uh, impossibility to the possibility through His sacrifice. And if we try to uh, unravel all the work of Jesus, we can say, say that it's all about love, all the dignity He gave us. And without, without love, we cannot describe them. How can you describe them? Forgiving is the same. When He forgives us, it's not about, hey, okay, I'll forgive you. No, it's not like that. It's about the Creator's honor, right? It's a matter of His fame and honor. Why? 
Uh, so it's like he is nullifying his own commandment or his own uh, own decree. How is that possible? How can he forsake his own, giving up on his own honor, and he, how can he still love us? It's so it's an amazing event of himself giving up on his uh, omnipotence. So when you believe in this, you can never deny his love. Even now, if you cannot feel his, his burning, blazing love, it means that you are bound so much in, in religion. Because you are bound to the religion, you cannot feel that easily. Just, just remember the day that you were saved. And from the moment that I was saved, I cried 24-7 uh, for 365 days. And I'm a person who does not cry that easily. <laughs> but actually, I cried in, in July conference last time. Yeah, right, I cried last time in July conference. And the reason why I did it is because as I see Korean women's churches, the wrath came up in me. Because women's churches, they went together with me for 20 years, but this should not be the image that they should have. So I was feeling this, this sadness of God, this agony of God. That's why I cried. But I guess you guys are still the same. <laughs> well, anyways, let's continue. So when God's love come into you, I mean, most part of your spirituality must be, be done from then, right? If you receive that amazing love, would you have the issue of characteristic? Would you have, have the issue of personality, issue of power? No, nothing should be an issue to you. So through this conference, you should unravel all that love. And you should understand why Paul said that God's promise is his last will and is a covenant. You should understand that it's all flowing through the whole book of Bible. And so we, we have this so-called covenantal covenant theology. Okay, it's, it's talking about this covenant that Moses made uh, with God in Mount Sinai. And people uh, talk about this covenant um, in terms of religion and legalism. And that covenant is about the contract. And it's a contract that God will be responsible even the Israelites break that contract. And I talked about this uh, last time during the Hebrews sermon. But anyways, so this, this covenant from the creation was not a contract that he made to Israel. God just giving us the promise that I will take care of you. So covenant is a flow that begins from Genesis to the Revelation. And it's not a contract in your life. 
It's God's word saying that He will take care of us. That's a covenant. So God already created human beings to as a being that, that who cannot live without God's responsibility, God taking care of them. And look at our children. When they grow a little bit, they say that they say that they live on their own. But but still, the children are beings who cannot live without these these uh, these nourishment of of this nurturing nurturing of parents. So human beings, we must be dependent to God. And that's love. You should you should believe in that. And from there, the true confidence uh, come. And when my son Chungman, when he was young, and when he was bitten by these big brothers uh, in his town, and when I go around him, when when I go next to him, he becomes confident. He says, "Hey, do you know who my father is?" And he because he understood that I will take care of him. So it's the same. The love of Christ, it means that He will take care of us. And because you don't believe in that, you, you, you can never become confident. And we talked about the action yesterday, but we have no curse under this action. So you can be confident always. This is not an imaginary thing. This is not an abstract um, idea. But this is a reality. So living, living with this confidence and without this confidence is completely different. And I can never understand why, especially our young adults, become so powerless. Even, either you come and say to me that you, you did not receive the Holy Spirit or you have not met God, then I would understand. But you say that you met God and you have Holy Spirit in you, but you are still being powerless? I can't understand that at all. He is in you. And why are you keeping powerless? Don't you believe that He will take care of your life? Last 34 years of my life, God never let go of me from His hand. From Genesis 15, the moment that God uh, called Abraham righteous, God never let go of him from His hand. Whether he whether he sell his wife, whether he become disobedient and give birth to Ishmael, God still took care of him. This must be shown through your life as a true uh, um, evidence. For example, you might skip a few days uh, praying, but, but those people who believe in God can never just, just set aside the prayer uh, fully. And He must come back. He must come back to prayer. This is the evidence that, that God is taking care of Him. So, so no matter how friendly you live with the world, ultimately you will turn back to God and say, Oh, I only have God. This is the image of people who have this event uh, that God acknowledged Him as righteous. So if you are not living like that, you should examine yourself whether you have never been acknowledged as righteous before God. So 
So righteousness is, is is a confirmation of the Creator telling telling us saying that hey you have the qualification to meet me. No king in the world say that hey you. Oh no no never mind. Uh, no one can can disobey to a king when he says come before me. So how pr uh, how great of a privilege it is. And even God, God allowed us to come before Him whenever we want. He gave us, uh, He gave us the permission to to see Him face to face always. So it's not like He's giving us a stamp or a seal and saying that, "Hey, I gave you a qualification." No, He did not give us the righteousness in that way. He made his son to sacrifice himself, and through through the work of his sacrifice, he sp uh, spilled all the blood over us, and he he called us righteous. So it will have an eternal right. So that's how tremendous the righteousness is. So in your spirituality, you cannot begin anything. Um, you cannot begin anything without righteousness. So your prayer through righteousness, love through righteousness, authority through righteousness. So it always be all those should begin through setting your direction right to the God. So beginning from the righteousness, God's rule, uh, kingdom, uh, the rule of God's kingdom will begin in you. That's why God uh, spilled, sprinkled his blood in us. It will never run away from us. Amen. Okay, let's continue. So in verse 15, Paul explained the word covenant. Promise, um, will, and covenant, they are there in one flow. And if you extend that to the book of Hebrews, it will continue to oh. Okay, verse 16, the promises. The promise, this word, the promise should be covered when we were talking about verses 12 through 14. And when, when Abraham brought Isaac to Mount Moriah to confirm, confirm his righteousness, then, then after that event, after that event, God gave Abraham these promises. And within these promises, there are the promises that God gave gave Abraham between Genesis chapter 15 to 21, and there are also other promises that appears from Genesis chapter 22. So Paul is mentioning about those promises. Okay, let's turn to Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 and 18. Paul is mentioning of those promises here. Verses. Uh, Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18. And you guys have these promises too. Uh, never mind, it's chapter 21. Okay. Uh, 
He said verse 17, but it's not verse 17. But anyways, Abraham had many sons, but only through one son, which is Israel, uh, these promises are being fulfilled. But it's not Isaac that God was directly mentioning. Because during the days of Isaac, nothing special is being uh, happening. Okay. Um, oh, it's verse 17 and 18. I, I, was, I was in the wrong chapter. Okay. And through these blessings, uh, saying that your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. So this is God's promise, confirming all the blessings that God gave to him. And to Adam, what did God God bless him? How did God bless him? He he told him to uh, multiply and be fruitful and conquer. But after then, he he was corrupted. But God already God already knew 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 these enemies. So that's why God gave Adam to conquer these enemies. So that's that's how these human beings were originally created, with this dignity of a king and with this job as a high priest. That's why that's why Jesus came on this earth as a high uh, royal priest. And through Jesus, God gave us all same dignity to us. So, so it's not something that never existed before somehow uh, came came to us. No, God already gave us from the from the creation. How tremendous is that? So, so if you just live without understanding how great beings you are, then then how foolish is that? God already created us just like that from the beginning and God restored that through Jesus and that glorious kingdom is keep drawing near to us. So how can a being who received all the dignity and glory become so powerless? There's only one answer, because of unbelief. Because you don't believe in that. So because of unbelief, people die. If you believe, you will be confident. If you believe, you will be joyful. So there's nothing on this earth that will make us oppressed. They will make us, uh, they will make us uh, shy. So you can say, oh, I don't have money. I don't have a relationship. I am poor. No, all, all nonsense. No, we don't need them. Without this dignity that was given by the king, what, what else do we need? We only need faith. When you began your business, did you, did you begin with, with lots of finances? No. I just told you to begin the business and you believed in that dignity and you began, right? Without having anything. And now look at all these young others following you after you. So it's all about faith.
<laughs> so raise your hand raise your hand if you have if you think that you entered ant because you are you are very talented or you have some kind of special ability right God only requires faith right <laughs> All right, let's continue. Verse 18. They are all written in a singular tense. And through your, blessed, uh, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So, so, um, so in Mount Moria, he saw, he saw the glory. And you guys all understand this story, right? So I'll not continue. Abraham now enter, enters into the Sabbath of faith. After 68 years, Abraham finally enters into the Sabbath uh, rest stage of faith. Okay, let's return to Galatians. Okay, that's, that's what that promise meant. So these promises are not the last confirmation, but, but the promise that appeared in Genesis 22 is the last confirmation to, to Abraham. To Abraham, he confirmed his, his righteousness. And to me also, God confirmed this kind of promise to me. And all this joy ministry began from, from Austria when I met him in, in this city. <laughs> so this promise is an amazing promise that God gives to all the people of God. And these promises are, are the flow that God sustained through all these 4,000 years. So you guys are blessed beings and you guys are great victors. And through you, all nations should be blessed. So look how many blessed beings are gathered here. Malaysia, Singapore, um, everywhere, South Korea. I mean, they are supposed to be blessed. And these, these promises has been, had already been decided 4,000 years ago. Living, living with God should have this kind of joy. And for example, I went to Italy. Uh, no, never mind. I went to Egypt, and these uh, pyramids, they were made around like 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, right? And I entered into the pyramid. I discovered a great, um, great uh, discovery. I found these, these ancient um, letters written saying that 4,000 years later, a person named Kim Mino will come here. And I gave that person all the authority of a king. And after 4,000 years, if that pastor comes, confirm him this authority and the victory. 
let's say if I figure if I discover that kind of ancient letter wouldn't I get a heart attack this is like that so Abraham 4,000 years ago to Abraham God already told him and confirmed him all this royal authority and the promises But you guys, I mean, seriously, you guys, surprisingly, you guys don't have any joy. But every time I think that God gave me this promise 4,000 years ago, it, it makes me excited. It's, it's, it's like uh, discovering that secret in pyramid. And I talked about this King uh, Cyrus. Cyrus uh, was not a person who had this characteristic to conquer, conquer all, all nations, but he was a person who would be pleased to, to be a ruler in a small province. But how was he able to become an emperor of a, a whole Persian empire? Because of this one prophecy that Isaiah prophesied in, in Septuagint, that, this, that this, this King Cyrus will appear. And surely I believe that Daniel met Cyrus. Daniel probably uh, told Cyrus about the prophecy of Isaiah and saying that um, there was this person, Isaiah, within, within this, this Jewish nation, and he prophesied that, that Cyrus will, will appear and he will set our, our people free. And even Isaiah mentioned the name Cyrus in his book. And when Cyrus saw, saw that, he all of a sudden began to feel this authority and dignity of a king. And the person who would be pleased to be a small provincial ruler somehow became so confident and he rose up saying that, hey, let's destroy Assyria, let's destroy Babylon. But look all these people. You already received all these promises that Abraham have received. You become so oppressed and powerless. And oh, come on, why don't you believe in God's promise? Be, be emotional, be moved, be touched. confirmed his promise through Jesus I mean don't you see your names on in the Bible and when Jesus comes he will split the heavens and he will come down riding white horse behind him um, the royal priest will follow among those royal priests can't you see yourself following Jesus and if you cannot confirm yourself following Jesus, then you will be just a crowd. You should be able to confirm yourself following Jesus. More seriously, because, God, because we believe in all the promises of God, you should believe that, oh, I'm a being to conquer all the gates of the enemies. 
and for the last 34 years fighting with the enemies I actually I actually lost to devils from time to time but because of this promise I always thought that hey you will surely pay the price you will surely pay the price I never allowed that that defeat to to rule over me why because I believe in God's promise because I believed in this promise that God gave to Abraham I, I can take care of all those women ministry church members why because because I do these social social services no because I believe in this promise through you all nations will be blessed because I believe in this promise that's why I serve all nations and from next month all the people will be invited to our church to be trained and in our church we have more than like 20 houses for for accommodations and we cannot even calculate how much money we should spend on those money but I have this one sh one confirmed faith through you all nations will be blessed this is the church right but why don't you believe in this promise this is your story you are a complete victor believe nations will be blessed through you your offspring will be abundant will prosper and, and this one prophet prophesied to Zoe ministry that Zoe ministry will be a, a tribal nation before one generation has one generation pass and in, in Jerusalem conference, um, 20 nations came. They, they gave all these emblems and symbols and the flags of their, their countries to Zoe ministry. And we, we posted them in, in our lobby. <laughs> and we, we only do not have Korean flag. And look, we are becoming this tribal nation now. Did, did it come out from, from Pastor King's head? No, because I believed in all the blessings that God gave to Abraham. This is the message that I received from, from Austria 34 years ago. So never once I, I imagined or I thought about about my, my defeat I have no chance to despair even before 4,000 years ago even before 4,000 years God already told me that I'm a victorious being then why why should I fall into despair is this just my issue no these promise all also is in you it's about who will take the Word of God by faith Amen. So let's continue, verse 16. 
and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So he's referring, he's quoting Genesis chapter 22. Meaning one person who is Christ. So I said it was written in a singular tense. So, and, and that singular tense is referring to not Isaac, but whom? It's Jesus. Isaac could not confirm, confirm that promise, right? So, so that seed is referring to Christ. So when, when Paul mentions about this, he's mentioning about king, um, conquering the gates of the enemies, becoming the, the channel of blessing, and being prosper. This does, not, this does not happen because of this one talented general. No. It's because of a Christ, a royal being rising up. So the blessing that God gave through Abraham is this royal authority. So it's not. So you are not a. Uh, you are not a good private who fights well. No, you are a four-star general. No, more than that. You are only called as a king, as a royal being. You need to believe this. I'm a king. Because God already fulfilled everything as a royal being, as a king. So all the things that he does is done through his royal authority. So all his blessings are in, under his standard of a, of a king. So he does not have any other standard besides the kings. So in your life, it's the same. Because you, he called you as kings, no matter what you do, you should live up to the standard of a king. No matter if you, whether you do business, whether you go to a work, you should do all that as a king. So you completely became a new being. So to a king, money never will become a problem. Um, nothing becomes a problem. Oh, because of money, I cannot do that. That means that it's not because of lack of money. It's because of lack of belief in yourself, who you are. Because you don't believe in your identity, all the circumstances become problems to you. And for the last 34 years, I received all God's message through faith. I, I did go through uh, difficulties and tribulations. But that was all just a process of God training me as a royal being. And so that process did not uh, last long. From then, God made me to live uh, up to the standard of a king. For example, I never uh, requested anything to, to human beings. 
Oh, because I don't have money. Should I go to this person to lend some money? No, never once for the last 34 years I have done that. Why? Because I'm a king. Why, sh why should I request to someone? Oh, please help me on this. And, and even going to a person to persuade that person to make him understand. No, God himself is a witness to this and I have never done that. So in all the areas in my life, I have never done anything that does not meet the standard of a king. So that's why this royal authority is being, being uh, coming out through me. Because I believe that I'm a royal being, so whenever I catch a taxi, I tell the taxi to, to stop here, but he stops over there. I tell him to come back, come back. But he, he does not come back. So I missed many taxis. I'm a king. He should, he should come to me, right? Why should I go to him? <laughs> this is a real story. So for the last 34 years, I have never had any other standard but as a king. So the, the only problem is not believing in God's promise. Because you sold your identity, just like Esau, <laughs> You lose your right as a firstborn. So it's a great misunderstanding. For example, oh, if I have lots of money, I can live like that. If my background was a little better, I, I could have lived like that. No, great misunderstanding. Because you lost who you are, everything becomes problem to you. But when you believe who you are, nothing becomes problem to you. With, with God's authority, you can, you can just rule over them. So many people still do not understand what's the uh, source of all, all the problems of the life. And, and among you, there are many of you thinking, thinking that, Oh, pastor, pastor, you still don't understand me. Then, then if you still believe that you are a beggar, then live like a beggar. I believe that I'm a king. I will live like a king. Uh, for, for, for statistics, raise your hand if you believe that you are a beggar. Well, when you guys are praying, I saw many of you. Raise your hands. <laughs> Deaconess, ask, ask one another over there. Okay, once again, raise your hand if you believe that you are a king. Lord, bless these hands. Lord, bless these hands that are raised. Lord, through these hands, let this royal authority come out. Amen. So look, so this seed is mentioning directly to Christ Jesus. So we, so we are entrusted this this ministry of Christ. We are entrusted this authority. That's why we should live as a king in our life. And God is very pleased with our faith. God will never be pleased at us throwing down all the dignity that He gave to us. God loves someone whose scale is same as God. 
Oh, you. I, I have same skill with you. You have the same skill. Oh, why are you keep living in despair? No, he will not be pleased. Okay, let's continue. So he became a firstborn and we became, we became younger brothers and we shared this joy of an heir. Verse 17. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and does do away with the promise. So here, promise is talking about the predestination of God. Predestination means that God decided to do something. So God, God's decision cannot be be, uh, be be turned around. What's the promise that God made in Ephesians? He 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 promised his people to be holy and blameless. So if all the people who are here are children of God, the conclusion of your life is to be holy and blameless. Your method, your plan, your hope, everything that, ha that you have is not the thing that fulfilled that promise, but it is God's decision that fulfilled that promise. I will make you holy and blameless. This is God's decision, God's predestination. Amen. So, this is unchangeable promise of God. In that sense, Second Peter says that this is God's great promise. This is God's divine power. And because we have that divine power, we can become a divine being. And this is perspective of Second Peter. But they all share the same flow. And because God's divine uh, ability is in us, that's why we can uh, impart, we can join and participate into this divine characteristic of God. Just like Romans 8.33, we can enter into the glory. Amen? And all of these are God's decision. No matter what we can do, no matter what we can receive. No, that's not, that, that's not important. Out of all this universe, God's decision is what matters. And you might say, oh, I'm weak, I'm weak, I cannot fight well, and you still call me a victorious being? No, it's not about who we are. Uh, it's not about what we can do. When Creator comes to us and say, hey, you are a victorious being, and when He decides, then that's over. As I said yesterday, the humanism, Humanism will always drag down the standard of God um, down to our standard. So if you live by humanism, you cannot live with God. You should always live up to God's standard. 
And as we always say, we do not go to church in order to be a good man. We should die to everything as a human being, and we go to church in order to become like God. That's the only promise that Bible says. So God will, God wants to make us, God wants to make us into God's image, not to make us a good man, but He will, He wants to make us as children of God. So that's how precious the people sitting next to you are. So let's bless one another, oh God. <laughs> let's look to one another and say, oh God. continue so so the law cannot set aside this covenant so set aside here means that canceling so the law can never cancel the promise not only the law but but also anything on this earth can cancel God's promise this is our joy and, and it is indescribable. But this is our strength. There is nothing or, or no power or anything that can cancel or nullify that promise. Right? But in this universe, there is nothing that can nullify or cancel His promise. When God says that you are a victorious being, then you will be victorious. When God says you will die, then you will die. But when God says you will live, then you will surely live. That's why we should put our life to God's promise. Because there is no other force that, that, can, that can cancel His promise and change His promise. So what should we be, be obe obedient to? To His promise, right? And what else? What else does Paul say? Um, and thus, thus do away with the promise. So there is nothing that can uh, affect God's decision. Um, pastor, wouldn't he be a little bit influenced by something? No, 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 never. And Pastor Haggai said that God's kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. So the righteous will never be shaken. In Psalm 62, David said that the righteous will never be shaken. Why? Because the righteous, the righteous one is holding on to this unshakable kingdom. So why are you being shaken? Because you are holding on to the money, holding on to the people. You're holding on to something else. That's why you are being shaken. If you hold on to the kingdom of God, you will never be shaken. So how tremendous is this kingdom? And after this millennial kingdom, when God's kingdom comes into this earth, the whole universe will be split into two. How great is His kingdom? And we are, we are holding on to that kingdom. And when you are holding on to that kingdom, why are you being shaken? Why are you worrying? So God's promise will never be influenced by anything. What is being influenced is your unbelief. Because you are thinking out of your, your self-centeredness. 
God's promise will never be affected by anything. So as long as you receive God's promise by, by, by faith, what kind of joy comes? This confidence. Oh, I am so confident. Yesterday, yesterday, as I said, when, when our church members see me, they say, oh, how can our pastor be so confident? Because they are com comparing themselves to me. Oh, we are beggars, but why, are, why is our pastor saying such a tremendous thing like that? Oh, we don't have money, right? But our church members, they are nice people. But do not be nice from now on. Just, just, just participate in this confidence. Amen. And last week I told our church members that I need this, uh, this, this uh, special vacation house, but, but it has not come yet. So please bring me this house. And I, I already know, I'm aware that our church members do not have money to buy me a house. And in Israel conference, I did not proclaim because we have money, right? After proclamation, the right, right next week, that, that finance came in. And because I proclaimed that I need um, another money, and I, because I proclaimed that I need money and I need house, God will, God will bring blessings through, through our church members. <laughs> If we sell kidneys of these one, two, three, four people over here, we can we can afford that. <laughs> All right, this confidence. Living by God's promise means that we are living in this confidence. Nothing can affect this. Nothing can influence this. How dare can you cancel God's promise? No, that's impossible. So issue of righteousness is the same. Hebrews 11:7. 7. G, uh, the Lord will no longer remember your sin, but the enemies, whenever they remind you of your sin, it will bring you condemnation. No, that's because you are being deceived. Hey, God said he will no longer remember my sin, but why are you keep saying those things? That's how, that's how, decision, that's how his decision is fearful. Verse 18. Why, why is the sermon so long? <laughs> okay, anyways, verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. So all of a sudden, this word inheritance appears. So what's the core of this promise? It means that we will become an heir and we will inherit his, his inheritance. So what, what's important in Galatians is becoming an heir. Even if you have 10 children, among them who becomes an heir, that's important. And about the inheritance, we will look at the term uh, spirit of, uh, of, 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 of an adoption. So whether you become an heir or not, you will, uh, you will have a different authority as a child. 
So, so not only we should become a child, we are an heir of his kingdom. We are to inherit his kingdom, his inheritance. So the reason why these angels, army of angels, should protect you is not just simply because you are a child of God and also because you are an, in, uh, you are an heir of his inheritance. So from, from Esau, the, the right of a firstborn was moved to Jacob. And to Jacob, uh, right away, the, the army of Mahanaim follows after. Why? Because Jacob has the right of a firstborn, and he became an heir. So you don't just simply become a child of God. And the moment that you were saved, all these promises were fulfilled at once. So on the day that you were saved, all these things are made immediately. That's why you become so, uh, so like, like, sober, I would say, so, so like confused. And, and 34 years ago, when I first met God, I spilled all these, these tears and stuff. And after a while, when I meditate about this salvation again, as I look into the Bible, and I realize how tremendous event that was. And having this dignity and authority of a king activating in me, I could not stand. So not simply you just became a child, but you became an heir. You became an heir to inherit the inheritance. Amen? So, so as we said, that's why we said that this promise is inheritance. Because the Father will inherit his inheritance to us, right? So the conclusion of God's word is telling us, you are an heir and I will inherit my kingdom to you. To Israelites, it was the land of Canaan. But here in verse 18, God said, God in grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Was, was his promise the land of, land of Canaan? No. If it was land of Canaan, Abraham would have never lived in tent. Abraham lived in a tent um, looking toward his heavenly hometown. So what this what does this promise mean? It means it means the kingdom of God. Heavenly kingdom. So we who are the uh, who are the descendants of Abraham have the same same inheritance like Abraham. So never once to an to any angels God told God told them that you are an heir. But we are not talking about who is superior and who is inferior. But it's about the calling, and and we are called as an heir. And angels are are created as a being to to help those heirs. And they will uh, take joy into helping helping those heirs. And our joy is to enjoy this glory as an heir. So we have different callings. So always.
is believe that you are not a simple child. Then this, you will have a complete different authority. And you are now beings who have this authority as an heir. Amen? So this is tremendous. Jesus alone can inherit that kingdom. But now Jesus himself became a firstborn and he shared his, his inheritance to us. So this brings such a different joy and amazement in our spirituality. Look into your life. Think whether whether it is issue of faith, issue of truth, which hinders you from receiving the joy of an of an heir. Why is that joy being limited just as a as a salary man? You, you, uh, the joy of a salary man is just having mine as mine and what what's God's then that is God's no as an heir you should be able to uh, believe that all that God has is mine so that kind of people will never be stingy on on things that they devote to God why because they are all all the inheritance all my inheritance so living as an heir and living as a, a simple child is completely different and even some people think oh isn't this belong to doesn't this belong to to pastor kim no how foolish <laughs> is pastor ministry a business no church is kingdom of god So it's because we are to inherit all, all the inheritance. Do you believe that you are an heir? The moment that you believe in that, the moment that, that you believe in that, the level or, or the rank of the angels that protect you will be changed. So the person who just got saved will have either only like one or two angels around him. But if you become an heir, the number will, will change dramatically. You will become a member of a great assembly. So you will have an, a vast army of angels around you. That's how important to become an, an heir. So what's the core of God's promise? Is to become an heir. That's the core of God's promise. You are the main characters of, of God's kingdom. Amen. You are the stars. Verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? So regarding the law, you don't you don't need the promise of an heir, and and the law itself is not the mainstream of God's kingdom. So why at all did God give the law in the first place? Paul is describing that reason why it was added because of transgression until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. So God had to slow down, especially to the Jews, slow down the the speed of sin. To Gentiles, God gave us the, the functions of conscious. Um, conscious was not given to the human beings from the creation. And I will cover that later. 
before the days of Noah, before the flood of Noah, uh, after the after the flood of Noah, this conscious was created. So whether it's a conscious in the Gentiles, whether it's a law to the Jews, it was given because the speed of corruption of mankind was accelerating so quickly. So in order to reduce the speed, in order to decelerate them, God gave them the law and the conscience. But anyways, as we said yesterday, they are not in the main flow of God's kingdom. The, the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. And some scriptures say that God gave himself, and some scriptures say that angels gave them. But one mediator means Moses. So until when is that law uh, legally right? Until the promise was given. So the seed here is in singular tense. So until until Jesus comes on this earth, this law is, uh, is uh, available and legal. Let's move to verse 20. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. So one problem of Moses being a mediator appears. So Moses become a mediator uh, implies for one party. So he, because he because he was a person, he can become a representative of a man, but he cannot represent God because God is one. So someone who should represent God should be God, right? So in order to be a, a right mediator, you need to be be a man and a God at the same time. So our Lord Jesus, He came as a man and as, as living through the Holy Spirit, He died and He was resurrected and He cleansed all the heavenly sanctuaries and He was seated next to the throne of God. And what does that mean? And he became someone who can represent God. So our Lord can represent human beings. And he can also represent God. He became a perfect mediator. What does Hebrew says? He is a mediator of a new covenant. So mediator means that he, he has a legal right. So he is the only one who has a legal right to solve all this issue of sin of mankind. He is the one who has, who has a legal right to give all the, all the solution of God to human beings. In that sense, what does Hebrews 5, 6 says? Jesus is a royal son, and at the same time, he's a royal priest. So legally, legally he can become a king and he can rule all the human beings in creation. And moreover, he became a royal priest who can lead those people directly to God. How tremendous is it? So, so just like that, when we live in him, we can live like a royal priest like him. 
not a promise that suddenly all of a sudden appear in the days of Jesus, but it was a blessing that God already gave to Adam when he first created him. So we should retrieve all those blessings. Verse 22. Oh, never mind. Verse 21. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Then what's the problem? So here, the problem is saying that is the law then evil? So is this, Paul is saying, is the law opposing God's promise? And the reason why Paul is asking this is because it is not. Why? Because it is something that it is given by God. And Romans 7 is saying that law is good. But the purpose is a little different. What does it say here? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. So problem of the law is that it does not have life. God gave us the law in order for us to realize our sin. So the purpose is different and it is not evil. In order to overcome the sin, you need to have life. But that life is only given through Jesus, right? So the law never can overcome the sin. It can never accomplish the righteousness because it does not have life. And conversely, when the life comes, just like Romans 7.13 says, the law will even make the sin uh, more, more, more to be a sin. It was immorality only when you commit something, an immoral behavior with a woman. But now when a life comes, even, even when you uh, think of a immoral thinking, it becomes immorality to you. And before then, if you have murdered a person, it becomes a murder. But from, from now, even if you hate a person, that becomes a murdering. So if you become a new self, even a law becomes a, a good function to you. On the other hand, if you lose that life, just like Romans 7, 8 says, the law will become a spy and it will make you more wicked. When, when the law says, hey, if you, if you steal, that's agreed. But you will, you will be like, oh, how can I steal more? So what matters is that whether you have life in you or not. Whether you are a new self and an old self. So it's not the issue of the law itself. Because law was given by God, it's a good tool. Right? Verse 22, lastly. Let's have a meal afterward. <laughs> I mean, you can skip a meal, right? It's okay. But because we pay, let's, let's go to have a meal. Verse 22, But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. What does it mean when Paul says scripture? It means that it's an unchangeable promise because it was recorded. It's a promise that transcends time and space. So this is a, a, a proclamation saying that the law opposed to the pro, uh, no never mind uh, the scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. 
because because the function of the law is condemnation, uh, condemning and accusing uh, accusing the sin. So Paul is mentioning about the rule of sin and rule of the righteousness in Romans. So if you are being being ruled ruled by the old self, you are under the rule of a sin. But if you are ruled by by the new self, it means that you are ruled by the grace. So that that was promised, being given through the faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. So what the, what is Paul saying here? If you live by the flesh, you should live under the rule of the sin, and then your life will be under the pain. So if you are ill, if you are ill, what's the evidence of your illness? You don't feel the pain of living by your flesh. It means that you are you are just as dead. A normal, regular, uh, normal people who are living by God should not live like that. People who are under God's promise should never show the image like that. Just as I said uh, about Ecclesiastes yesterday, if you live by the labor and if you live by your action, you should be painful and you should suffer. And this should be a manifestation to a normal being. If you live by your flesh and if you if you feel joy without God, then that's a madman. So if you live happily, if you if you feel happiness through your your job without God, then you are crazy. He means that you have already substituted God's joy into something else. Human beings should not feel joy in the work itself. Without God, human beings cannot feel joy. For example, some of you who feel feel happy looking at money, you're crazy. And I don't I don't say those things, but that's what Bible says. So earning happiness out of God is a crazy thing. For example, I love our church members. But if I love our church members without being filled with the Holy Spirit, then I'm a crazy pastor. I love my wife and my children. Because when I am in, in God, in God, my love is overflowing. But if I'm without God, then I'm a crazy man. So never, never um, without, without God's love, you cannot love anything. When you are under God's presence, you feel joy playing piano, whether you play jazz. That's, uh, I mean, without, without God, that's a crazy man. That's what Bible says. That's what Ecclesiastes says. God did not create us like that. So if you continue to live under the old self, in under the function of the law, then you should feel feel the pain. If you don't know, if you don't don't know that, then it's a serious issue. So look here in verse 22, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Christ, might be given to those who believe. 
So if you are under pain, even if you feel that pain, it is natural for you to seek for God. And you should naturally seek for this promise given by Jesus. So in certain processing you, So there, you should feel this clashing of your old self and new self trying to claim your body. And those people who, who feel the old self overpowering in you will, will feel that this law is dragging you, you to a point. That person should know that you are under a pain. And there was this one young adult, she came to me and said, Oh, pastor, these co-workers, they are treating me so well, they are so nice. But, but I am still so painful and I, I need to quit my job. And she said, I feel so sorry for my co-workers. And I told her, if you feel so sorry, then that, that, is, that is humanism. So do not feel so sorry and just quit immediately. And that, that, that sister had a, had a right image. She's losing continuously the power of the flesh. But still, because the co-workers and colleagues are being so nice to her humanistically, so she's feeling this pain. And to our children, it's the same. And even when your children are, are losing this spiritual energy, but you are still encouraging them to, to be prosper in the world, be, be successful in the world, then that's crazy. Right? That's crazy. That's what the Bible says. So look. So what's the normal image? The more the pain you feel in you, uh, the, the more you should desire for the new self and the promise of God. So that's what is written in verse 22. Being given through faith, uh, uh, being given to those who believe. A live spirit will fill uh, through the action of the flesh. Okay, let's compare it. Let's say, let's say my new self is one and my old self is nine. That kind of people will never feel the pain. They will even feel joy or happiness. At least, at least in order for you to feel the pain, you need to have a five to five ratio. Then you will begin to feel the pain. So 
if you lose feeling this pain and if you begin to uh, feel happiness in the world then you should realize that your new self is dying so it is it is canceling the promise of God here saying that it, it will be given to those who believe so losing the pain means that you will lose all the direction and desire to live by the new self so let's say I'm suffering so much spiritually and as long as you're alive oh I should face toward God and you you need to think about this upset and this turnaround hey you enemies I will repay I will repay to you that's a normal image hallelujah amen all right let's go to have meal <laughs> if we pray you will you will curse me father god we thank you okay at 2 30 we will we will watch these these uh, play bible men okay so before 2 30 do not come into this main hall